you for listening to this message from the North Gate. Just remain standing with me as I introduce to you a new face, a new voice, and we are thankful. Abba knows what he's doing. I thank you for Uncle Mark Casto's connection with them first, and now Uncle Bryn has been going there several times, and uh, I was blown away when I got the opportunity to come and be a part of your family. And uh, Pastor Todd, we honor you and your family and your ministry. Northgate, will you honor this man of God as he comes to deliver the word to us tonight? you'll learn about me real quick is uh, I uh, I love adventure. I mean, I've caught sharks. I've killed alligators. I'll do anything crazy. Uh, it's just my personality, but I'm also a big baby. <laughs> Cry all the time. But I just just get overwhelmed by his goodness and his kindness and his gentleness and his is mercy and I walked in here tonight and to see young people and old people and middle-aged people coming together it's it's generational synergy it's generational momentum and I come from a church of generational synergy and generational momentum where one age group doesn't despise the other and one age group doesn't look at the other and say oh they're they're trying to take my position but it's never, it's never they're trying to take my position, but the oldest, the hearts of the fathers are turning to the sons and the hearts of the sons are returning to the fathers and they look at one another and say, what does it look like to run this race together full speed? What does it look like for me to grab the hand of my son or my daughter and to run this race at full speed and not say, oh, he's trying to replace me or my days are numbered or my days are done, but let's, let's do this thing together. Let's, let's run after this thing together. Let's go full speed with your children. What does it look like for you to run full speed with your family? What does it look like for you to run full speed with your kids? Shut the daggone TV off and get in the presence of God with your kids. Do the kids know the sound of your voice in prayer? Do the kids know what it sounds like for mom and dad to lift their voice in prayer and say, we don't want anything else but you. I want anything else but him. Now, I'm not saying other things are wrong. I'm not saying that. I'm not, I'm not so super spiritual that we can't have a life. But what I'm saying is, what does it look like for us to do life with our kids and do life in the kingdom and do it well and represent Him well? And to go throughout this city 
bearing light and being light bearers and being people that say, man, I look at them now. I, I come from a football family. I have two sons. One was a two-time All-State football player. The other one was a three-time All-State football player. We went to the state championship three times and none of that means jack. If they don't know him, if they don't know how to pray, if they don't know how to seek God, if they don't know how to lead. And I'm sitting there going, what does it look like to do it well? Sit down real quick. And I'm not, I want to I wanna say this. I said it to Pastor Jimmy earlier. As I, I, and I know he's not here and, and all of that, but I want to honor your all's apostle. Apostle D, Apostle Damon. I've never met him. I've never even seen him uh, one time in person back when he had dreads. I'm talking 20-something years ago in uh, Louisiana at Joel Stockstill's church. I can remember the sermon he preached. He preached about Ehud and the left-handers rising up from the south. And now I'm a, I'm a church boy. I can remember some sermons if they're good. And, uh, and I can remember Jimmy came and he preached John 3.16 and he wrecked our church. We, have a young, we had a guy that was there that day. I don't remember if you remember, but we, I came up and God gave me a word of knowledge that there was someone in the room that had five days sober and God wanted to set him free. And a young man who'd been in church his entire life, one of the most incredible guitar players, we've ever had in our city, walked up at the front and he, with tears, said, I'm five days sober. God called him out to the day. I'm five days sober. Since then, he hasn't touched a drip of alcohol. He's completely free. And Pastor Jimmy, Pastor Jimmy wrecked our church with, with this beloved identity. And, and I mean, he preached John 3.16. I mean, how many times have we heard John 3.16 preached, but yet it just, it brought something new and something alive. And I'm not going to, if you're looking for hamartia and you're looking for perichoresis and you're looking for, that's not me, y'all. Uh, that's not me. Uh, Apostle Damon is, is uh, it's, it's funny. I send messages to some of my guys and I'll literally get a text message like, what the frick is he talking about right now? And I'm like, I'll just hear it with your spirit, buddy. Hear it with your spirit. But he's impacted my life. He has no idea. I told Jimmy, I want to send the guy a gun, um, and I probably will. I told, my, I told Miriam tonight, I said, I'm going to buy a gun, and I'm just going to send it. I'm not going to send Money's so boring. Send something fun, um, you know, and, uh, but I just want to honor you all, and I want to honor you guys for, for having me. It's an honor to be here. Um, I'll preach the same to five as I will 5,000. I don't, I don't care. I just I love the kingdom. I love the things of the kingdom. And I believe that God wants to, to do something in this room. And on my drive over here, and I'll quote a lot of scriptures, so just don't even worry about it. Um, but on, on my drive over here, we were just listening to um, some, some music. And I began to see some things uh, just in the spirit. And, and I, I, I want to address some things that I feel like Holy Spirit wants to do in this room. And I also feel like I want to give you a smidge bit of, of direction of where God, I believe, is taking you all in the future. And the, one of the first things that, that I saw was I saw Pastor Jimmy standing in the middle of the sanctuary. And I saw him standing there and I watched as people began to come up and link arms with him. And they just begin to come up and, and, and just link arms with him and stand in place. And then I saw a group of people that, that as this line began to grow, this line began to stretch, this line began to move, I watched as people with no faces began to link arms. And they had no identity. They had no, they, they had no uh, connection 
to, to this place. I watched as people, as he stood here in this building and people linked arms, but then I saw people with no face linking arms and I had no idea about transition. I had no idea about what God's doing. And as soon as I started to, to talk to Pastor Jimmy, the Lord spoke to me and said, the no face people are the people that you might never meet. Are the people that might live in a different state than you. They might live in a different place than you. But God is so supernaturally linking you to them that you will be in the same connection. You'll be in the same stream. You'll be in the same river. You're not going to miss out. But what is theirs is yours. And what is yours is theirs. And I saw as those things linked and that line just began, began to get longer and longer and longer. I really didn't understand it in the car all the way over here. I had no idea. I'm sitting there going, okay, God, what, what am I seeing? But I know now what I'm seeing is a connection and what God's doing in the transition for you all from here to Mobile. I believe that line goes from here to Mobile. And I believe that there are people that you will never meet that you will be connected to in spirit. There are people that you will never have connection with that you will be in covenant relationship with. Why? Because you share the same DNA. You share the same family. You share the same blood. And there's no, there's no time, space, or anything with Abba. And so I just wanted to share that first. But I want to... I want to go here because in Joshua chapter 3, and this is where I feel like I want, to, I want to go with you all tonight. In Joshua chapter 3 during worship, I began, you guys were singing, you are, you are good. And I'm sitting there going, and I, the Holy Spirit took me to Joshua 3 and the children of Israel. And we all understand, you know, they got led out of Egypt and, and Moses led them out and he set them free. The, the, the 10 plagues and all that kind of stuff. And they, they get into the wilderness and they cross the Red Sea and they're led by a, a cloud by day and fire by night. And they're given manna and, and, and what the provision that they needed every day when they woke up was right there. And they weren't allowed to live on yesterday's word. They weren't allowed to live on yesterday's anointing, but they had to get up every day and get the fresh word what's Abba saying today what's my nourishment today and they had to learn how to trust and obey in him in the middle of the wilderness and and in this journey we find out you know Moses dies and 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 God buries Moses they had all these crazy things happen through all this journey and we find ourselves in Joshua 3 Moses is dead it's time for them to possess the promised land it's time for them to move into this whole new new realm a place that they've never been before and we catch up in Joshua 3 and in Joshua 3 it says that early the next morning Joshua all the Israelites left Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing three days later the Israelites uh, the Israelite of, of, of fierce went through the camp giving these instructions I, I, officers, boy, I can read. High school graduate, officers, <laughs> officers. And I, I, I want to stop right here because this is what I feel. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna continue reading, but I want to say this: Moses died, Joshua was in charge, but the instructions were given by officers. And I believe that God, and I, I. I believe that God is wanting to raise up officers in this room. What I mean by that is men that don't have titles, men that don't need to be called pastor, men that don't need uh, recognition, men that don't, I'm just saying men that are so bought into the vision of what God wants to do, 
men that are so bought in, and I'm not just saying, when I say men, ladies, I include you, so don't, don't, don't accept I'm not that chauvinist. I mean, I am chauvinist a little bit. I am a little old school. I do believe in gender roles. But at the same time, I can fold, I can fold the heck out of some laundry. Um, I could do it. I'm good at it. Uh, um, my wife, Miriam here, she's Dr. Dalton. Uh, she's the educated version of our family, and she, she is my sugar mama. Um, she allows me to do ministry while she runs the school, and so um, I don't, don't, don't get that confused, but I really feel prophetically that God is calling leaders to rise up in this room. And where there has been a dependency upon pastors or leaders, and I don't know any of y'all, and if y'all get offended by me, I'll never have to come back. That's cool. Um, I have my own church. I have my own group of people. I can, I can go back and be completely fine. So you're just going to have to get used to just the way I am. Um, but I hope you hear my heart in this because there are some of you that have been reliant and you've been dependent upon people to get you where God wants you to go. And it's time for you to put big boy pants on. It's time for you to hear God. It's time for you to rise up to your rightful place. And I'm not calling you out. I'm calling you up to who you truly are called to be. And so I can keep you down here and we can keep you at an elementary level. And I can keep you at this place where you're dependent upon some man of God grabbing a microphone and leading you into the next thing or you can become somebody that knows how to hit your knees know how to hear the voice of God and to rise up and take a role and say I will be one person that I will carry this vision and carry this church to the place that it's called to be and it's bigger than one man I'm telling you what what God wants to do in this building is bigger than one man it's bigger than me I told our church the other day I could die tomorrow and it will be like nothing happened why because it's not my kingdom it's not my church and he will do what he said he will do he will take it where he wants it to go this isn't y'all's this isn't yours and none of us are so important that if we leave God's purpose wouldn't happen in this room don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to because I'm telling you you're not that cool I'm not that cool I, I am not that cool to think that Bethel Worship Center Marion Indiana wouldn't accomplish what God spoke over it if Todd Dalton leaves how, how arrogant is that? And so I'm saying what I want to speak to you guys is this. Jo Moses was dead. Joshua is now the leader. But Joshua didn't make the announcement to the people. Joshua didn't give the word. It was leaders. It was officers, men instructed by God that was helping him run the children of Israel. Helping him do the vision. Helping him go, hey, guess what, everybody? Read the announcement. Tomorrow we're going to cross the other side. Tomorrow when the priest's feet hit the water, this is what's going to happen. It wasn't a Jimmy. It wasn't a Joshua. It was the men of God that were there saying, we're going with him. And this is the instructions. And so I, I, tonight I feel like I'm calling so many of you up to be something that you don't think you are. Whether you think you're less than, whether you think you haven't been saved long enough, whether you think you can't preach or you can't pray or this thing scares you to death, I'm telling you it's not about this. It's about your heart. It's about your heart's position and God will take a stuttering Aaron and he'll take a sissy Moses and he'll turn you into the leaders of a nation. So it doesn't matter if you feel qualified right now. What matters is, is do you know how to get on your knees? Do you know how to shut your eyes? And do you know how to get connected to the heart of God and say, where do you want to go in my church? Where do you want to go in my city? Where do you want to go in my family? Where do you want to go with my friends? That's where I want to go. That's where I want to 
to be. That's the will of God. So I'm calling you up, not calling you out. Massive difference. Accountability is not an account of your inability. It's an account of your ability. And so we as men got to be able to look at each other and go, I, I know you suck. It's so, can I say that here? Okay. Too late. I know you stink. No. But here's the thing. We all know the areas that we're short. We all know the areas that we're not good at. We all know the things that we don't measure up in. But what does it look like for a brother to get along with a brother and a sister to get along with a sister and say, I refuse to focus on what what you're not good at and I choose to find in you the gold that's buried under the dirt and the mess and the unforgiveness and I say, come up to who you truly are. Come and be what I've called you to be, what I see in you. And whether they see it or not, you call it out of them and say, I see a prophetess. I see an intercessor. I see some leaders. I see a youth group that can change some things. I see a generation that just needs to believe in themselves. A generation that can stand up in front of a generation that's so stinking confused and say, I'm not confused at all. I know exactly who I am. I know exactly what I'm called to do. I know exactly who I serve. And I can close my eyes and hear his voice right now. So we're calling you up. Calling you to a place where you're no longer dependent upon, you don't need a middleman. You don't need a middleman. You don't need Pastor Jimmy to hear God for you. You don't need Todd Dalton to hear God for you. You need to shut your eyes and get so connected to the heart of God that you know you know where he's going before he knows where he's going sometimes. And when he speaks, you can go, that's confirmation because I saw it, I heard it. And so these officers come to the children of Israel and they say, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to the, to the river. The priests are going to put the ark on the shoulders. They're going to step into the water. And it's very important. This is the crazy thing about the announcement. It's very important that you understand this because we've never been this way before. And I'm telling you at this church right now, you guys are getting ready to enter some things that you've never done before. You're getting ready to go a direction that you've never gone before. And let me tell you this, you better have the Ark of the Covenant in front of you. What I mean by that is you better be in the presence of God and understand that you are following Him. Don't question the instruction. See, I, yeah. I'm about to hurt some people. <laughs> Don't question. Who are you? Who are you? To question. Our church on February 1st started prayer and fasting. We've had live prayer and live worship. Live prayer. Of course, prayer is live. Live worship. <laughs> live prayer. All you dead people, get up and pray. I'm kidding. <laughs> live, live worship and prayer. February 1st, 630, all the way through. The other night I had my eyes closed and we were praying. And God said, I want you to repent of something. Okay, what is it? He says, you're a critical spirit. He said, I can't, can't move in you like I want to move in you because you, you have criticism in your heart. Now, I've been born and raised, I was born on the front row. I mean, I've been in church my entire life. My entire, I've seen some of the greatest sermons in the world and I've seen some of the dumbest sermons in the world. I've seen some of you want to see dumb stuff go to church I mean there are some crazy people so I've seen some crazy stuff in church I mean I I I could do a stand-up comedy act on some of the stupid stuff I've seen in church 
And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I've seen crazy stuff now to where I can stand at a church service and somebody begin to speak and something in me would judge the vessel rather than the voice. And God spoke to me and he said, do you care more about the method or do you care more about the movement? He goes, because I care more about the movement than the method. And it doesn't matter that it comes the way you want it to. It doesn't matter that it comes the way you want it to sound. It doesn't matter that it comes from the voice that you want it to come from. Will you criticize someone because they're speaking what I want them to speak? Or will you be sensitive enough to the spirit where you will shut criticism down and you can receive and know what's my voice? Or does the method mean more to you than the movement? And, and like I know to do, I was like, God, you just hit the floor. We got to learn how to repent, y'all. Yes, we're righteous. Yes, we're holy. Yes, we're beloved identity. But there is a powerful statement in eating a poop sandwich. That's what I call it. It's called eating. And we, we, we say it in my men's group all the time. Those guys like, I got mad at my wife. I snapped the other day and I, gotta eat, I had to eat a poop sandwich. This is what we call it. It's not good. Doesn't even sound good. It's not even appropriate to talk about. It's actually terrible. But we have to learn how to repent again. We have to learn how to say, I'm sorry. We have to understand when we grieve the Holy, he's not going to leave us. He doesn't have his bag packed at the bottom of the stairs ready to run out of the house when you make a mistake. But at the same time, we better know when we grieve him. We better know that when we do something that's out of his character for us. And when I misrepresent him, I need to know how to get on my knees and say, God, Father Abba, I'm sorry that I just misrepresented you to the waitress. I'm sorry I misrepresented you to my brother. I'm sorry I misrepresented you to this, that, or the other. We have to know how to repent. And so I hit the ground. I said, God, remove the criticism from me. I don't want to be a critic. I don't want, who am I to think that you should move this way or that way? Who, who am I? And I found myself, I don't know, I don't know how supernatural y'all are okay so I'm gonna give you some Indiana I don't know how what like we're not flaky I promise and actually I struggle with a lot of this stuff because we'll have feathers float down in the middle of service Just whoop. we've had it we you guys got some and we have oil that uh, that comes on people's hands and we'll get gold dust or whatever you guys call it you know glory dust gold dust. I don't I don't care what you call it and our little kids see angels our little kids see angels. And they'll be like, look, there's an angel right there. And they'll describe what he's wearing. And they'll describe what he looks like. And they'll do all this kind of stuff. And, and so it's all, you know, this supernatural stuff and this, this craziness. And so I'm in this service. God's dealing with my criticism. And I'm in the cave. Boom, I'm in a cave. Like, and I hear a voice. And I'm looking around for this voice. And I walk over and I see a man on his knees. And he's praying. And God says, I'm like, okay, who, you know, for me, I'm like, I'm in a cave. I'm like, I don't have my AR. I don't have any ammo. Like, this dude and I are fighting. We're fist fighting. And I'm ready. Let's go. I'm down. First, I'm going to size him up. Does he have cauliflower here? <laughs> if he's got cauliflower here, I'm like, yeah, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. You win. You win. If he doesn't, I got a chance. I got a chance. And so I see this guy knelt down in the corner and I walk over and I realize that I'm in a cave with Elijah. I realize that I'm, I'm having an encounter in this cave with Elijah. And all of a sudden, I begin to feel the earthquake. And all of a sudden, I begin to see fire. And all of a sudden, I begin to see lightning. And all of a sudden, I begin to feel the wind. And God spoke to me again. He said, does it matter the method or does it matter the movement? Does it matter that I travel from this state to this state? Does it matter that this person leads worship or that person leads worship? Does it matter that he preaches or she preaches? Does it matter that she prophesies or he prophesies? Does it matter that she sings or he sings? Or does it matter that I move? 
Does it matter that I show up? Does it matter is if it's in the still small voice, I want it. And if it's in the earthquake, I want it. And if it's in the fire, I want it. I want him and him alone. And it doesn't matter how he comes or who he chooses to come through. I just want it. And so what do we care about? Do you care about the, the method? Do you care about being different? Does it bother you to be the freak church in town? That's who we are. We've literally had people walk in our building and say, I just came to see the circus. And we also had Methodist pastors fall out, or a Methodist pastor who called his wife praying in the Holy Ghost, and he looked up at us and said, I don't even believe in this. And then he got full of the Holy Ghost. We've We've had some crazy stuff happen, feathers, you know, all that stuff. And it's in there going, it's not about the method. It's not about the man. It's not about how we do things. It's the fact that we just do what Jesus said. I only say what I hear my father say. I only want to do what I see my father do. And we only want this church to be what he wants it to be. I don't want it to be what I think it should be. I don't want it to be what the system says it should be. I don't want it to be what the church has been for a hundred years. We want it to be something that is so God-ordained and so God-anointed that no one can come against it and say that doesn't work because the fruit shows that it works. And so to some of you adults that are going to be in this next season, I ask you this. Are you willing to plant a tree that you might not eat the fruit of? I heard the word of the Lord the other day say, build for the next 100 years. And my mom is one of those rapture people. I'm flying. I ain't dying. I'm flying. And uh, it's, it's funny. I tease her all the time. She, I mean, I've never met a woman that loves God and prays. My mom's an intercessor. She's killed three rocking chairs, I believe, because uh, that girl gets in a rocking chair and she starts praying. And it's, it's funny because there's people that just rock, and then there's my mom, and she beats the tar out of that rocking chair. Shabai. I mean, it's, it's pretty awesome to see. And she's an intercessor, and, and I, I looked at her. I said, Mom, you're dying. So am I. The question is, are we willing? What are we going to hand them? What are, what are we going to hand? What am I, I just had, we just had, or my, I didn't have it. My son and his daughter, I, I'm a pawpaw now for the first time. I'm a, I'm a two-week pawpaw. Uh, I'm excited. Y'all are looking at me like I'm not old enough to be a pawpaw. I'm 44. We did not have a baby before we were married. We did it right. Not that I'm condemning anybody if you did it early. Um, but uh, I'm, a, I'm a pawpaw. And when God spoke to me and said, build for the next 100 years, I immediately went spiritual. I immediately went like, oh, I'm going to hand them legacy. I'm going to hand them, you know, uh, my, my parents have always served God. My mom got full of the Holy Ghost at eight years old. She'd been full of the Holy Ghost. She'd never made a mistake. Let me tell you this, young people. If you're old enough to screw up your life with a yes, you're old enough to say yes to Jesus and never have to make a mistake. My mom said yes to Jesus at eight years old, and she never, she'd been married to the same man. She's never done a drug. She's never had a drink. She's never smoked a cigarette. She's never cussed. She's never done all of these things. Why? Because she said yes at eight years old. So don't believe the life. You can say yes to crappy stuff and bad stuff that will destroy your life. You can also say yes to something that will change you so forever that you don't have to live with regret and mistakes. You don't need 19 boyfriends. You don't need 19 girlfriends. You do if you're insecure. You do if you don't know who you are. You do if you're a pervert. You do if you're all these kind of things. But you don't need all that. And so you have to know who you are. You have to be able to say, say yes to it. And I told my mom, I said, what does it look like? What are we going to hand our great-grandchildren? What are we going to hand? What am I going to hand my great-grandkids? And he began to talk about, I, I immediately went to like the spiritual realm. He's like, no, I'm talking about your facilities. Come on. 
He's like, walk around, look at your church. And our church is a, it's a, it's a big building that's just bad. It's 40 years, I'm 44. It was built when I was three, so it's 40 years old. We got brown ceiling tiles because the roof's terrible. No, it's not trash. Don't, I mean, y'all are picturing like, wow, these people in Indiana <laughs> must go to a church in a real dump. You know, it's not that bad. But to me, somebody, I, I'm a pretty picky uh, person. And God's sitting there going, I want things with excellence. I want you to, so we're looking now, we're looking at building children's wing. We're looking at adding to the sanctuary. Why? Because we have to hand something down to the next generation that's better than what we had. And I believe that this is a multi-generational church, but you can't get tied to this building. Because the church is not this building. The church is you. Y'all are the church. You can't get tied to locations. You can't get tied to things like that. You have to be ready. You have to be fluid. You have to be spirit wind. You have to go where he says go. And I'll tell you what. You can have the same presence of God in here. You can have it in a tent. You can have it in a driveway. You can have it in somebody's backyard. Because it's not about where you meet. It's the fact that you guys are coming together in one mind and one accord. Like the upper room in unity saying we're here to encounter Jesus. So if it's in Jimmy's parking lot or if it's in his bedroom on his bed. We will. I'm just kidding. We will. We will meet God. Don't, don't, go, don't go in there. Don't, don't go in there. The Israelite officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions. I want you to hear me, leaders. And I'm, I'm not just saying current leaders, but I'm prophesying. I want you to hear me, leaders. Move out from your positions. Move out from your self-proclaimed titles. Move out from your entitlement. Move out from your orphan spirit of competition and comparison. Move out from those things and say, I don't, none of that matters to me. Keyboardist doesn't matter to me. Guitar player doesn't matter to me. Singer doesn't matter to me. Children's ministry doesn't matter to me. Usher doesn't matter to me. I was in Monterey, Mexico not too long ago at a thousand plus member church. He'll be at our conference with Bryn. And there was a parking attendant. I later found out that this parking attendant is a multi-millionaire. Multi-millionaire parking cars. And I talk to everybody. That's just me. I'm not, a, I'm not a green room preacher. I just That's not me. Do not put me in a green room. I want to be with the people. I want to hang out. And they, they're that kind of church that like as soon as you're done preaching, you got 19 security guards, and they're like trying to rush you back. And, and, and my brother and I were there, and I'm like, look, bro, leave, I will leave when I'm ready to leave. That's just how I am. Now, I don't speak a lick of Spanish, right? So I have an interpreter on both sides. You know, I can say, donde esta el baño? That means I got to go to the, where's the bathroom, homie? That's very important in Mexico, by the way. You, you want to know that statement in Mexico because it's tacos for every meal. And so you bet, donde esta el baño? Uh, andale. <laughs> right now. And uh, so I'm in, I'm in, <laughs> inside joke over there, right? I can't wait to hear it. Okay, he can't even say it right. He speaks Spanglish. Banyo. That's my my. So one one quick story, and I I don't want to be I don't want to be too long tonight. But when Bren was here, y'all was in service for three hours. That dude talked forever. Dear God, I'm not that long winded. But my dad is so funny. He's um I I I have a hard time talking about my dad without crying because I just honor. Oh dang it, I honor him. 
so much because of what him, my, my, my grandmother's still alive. We actually just took a picture of five generations. My grandma, my dad, myself, my son, and then Maisie, my granddaughter. And uh, my grandma is the one that changed everything for our family. She, she got saved. My grandfather was a raging alcoholic, murdered a man in a bar fight. Um, so my, all the Daltons uh, up until my dad were alcoholics, uh, child molesters, abuse, drug addicts, prison, uh, the worst of the worst. We are related to the Dalton gang um, on down the road. So even go back then, we were bank robbers. And, and I do say Darren Dalton was a tough dude. Dude got shot 32 times and lived. So um, true story. Check your history. But uh, it's just a fun fact. <laughs> and so my grandma said yes. Uh, she got saved as a young girl. Uh, she was a product of rape. My great-grandmother was raped, um, and that's how we got my grandma. So you want to talk, uh, don't talk to me about pro-life, pro-choice, because I'm here because of rape. My grandma, my dad's here because of rape. You tell me God can't take something that was in for evil and turn it to good? You tell me now my brother preaches, I preach, my dad preaches, my son work in the church, my, my nieces are praise and worship leaders, one's going to be a lawyer, my son's going to be a doctor, and we're all here because somebody raped my great-grandma? You can abort God's will if you want to, but I'm just, I'm just saying. So my grandma said yes. My grandma said yes to Jesus. And every Sunday, this, it still tears me up to this day. Every Sunday, my grandpa vowed, I want you to listen, young girls, that if she went to church, she would come home and she would be beat. Now I'm talking man beat. I'm talking closed fist beat. My grandma every Sunday would get dressed for church, knowing that when she got home, she had something waiting on her. Every Sunday, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, she'd get dressed in her best church clothes to come home to get beat with a closed fist by a man that ran from God his entire life. And my dad at 16 years old, he'd come home from uh, Sunday. He was dating my mom. He'd come home a Sunday afternoon, and my grandpa had beat my grandma really, really good. And he loaded a shotgun, and he, went, he was driving in the car to go to the bar to kill my grandfather. And an angel got in the car with him and said, hey, if you kill your dad, you'll be just like him. He pulls the car over. He repents. He gives his heart to Jesus, and our family's never been the same ever, ever again. They've completely surrendered. What's crazy is like six weeks before my grandfather died, the man that never deserved heaven, the man that if there's anybody on the earth that walked it and deserved hell was my grandpa. I watched at 15 years old as my dad got on his knees right in front of my grandpa, and he said, Dad, I love you. I know you've lived a rough life, but I can't let you die without hearing the good news of Jesus. For the first time in my life, I watched a murderer. For the first time in my life, I watched a wife abuser. For the first time in my life, I watched that grown man big, strong dude sit on the couch with a tear rolling down his cheek and he gives his life to Jesus six weeks before he dies of cancer. You talk about the goodness and the kindness of God. You talk, and I'm telling you, this is, that's the good news of Jesus. That's the good news of Jesus. And I, I just, I know that was a rabbit trail, but I, I just felt like Holy Spirit took me there because I want you all to understand that nobody, this good news is not too good for the worst of people. It's good news because it's good news. It's restoring. It's restorative. And for six weeks, he walked around Albany, Kentucky, and, and the whole city was like, Earl Dalton's a different man. What happened to Earl Dalton? What happened to Earl Dalton? And he was like, I got saved. And like, are you freaking kidding me? Earl Dalton got saved. And so my family, I'm here because of my dad. I'm here because of the yes. I'm here because of the people that paved the way before me. So you can't get tied up in your position. You can't get tied up in your titles. You can't get tied up in those things. 
Move out from your positions. I want you to hear me prophetically. Move out from your positions. Move out from your positions. And follow them. Since you have never traveled this way before. I want you to hear me. Northgate, you've never traveled this way before. This is a new path. It's a new destination. It's a new place. You can't go into this with the same mindset that you've had at the beginning. You can't go into this thinking, where do I fit? What's in it for me? You have to go in it. And I'm going to switch Bible stories on it, but you have to go in it like David and his mighty men. And what I mean by that is David created a culture. It's my most identified character in the Bible is King David. And I've always been completely infatuated with the cave of Adullam. I've always been completely infatuated with the fact that what kind of a culture did he create in a cave we're outcast. Men and women of God, or not men and women, men, men and women that, that came in broken, that came in disowned, that came in defeated, walked into a cave, and then walked out. The most mighty warriors that we've ever read of, they accomplished the, the, the most amazing things that we've ever heard of. And what, what kind of culture did he create? And I'm telling you, there's a, there's, God is wanting to do something. Li- I'm just, I'm just going to go prophetically here in what I saw. God is wanting to do something here at Northgate. And when I say here, I'm not talking here. I'm talking here in you, the church, the body, the people, where he wants to create such a culture. And I'm telling you, there are some people that are coming into this building and coming into your family that are very rough. I'm just going to be honest. Very rough. I'm a recovery guy. I'm not, I've not personally been in recovery. I've never done a drug in my life, but God has given me men that, that have spent years, 13 years in prison, 15, 20 years in drug addiction, and we've watched them just, it, we've watched John Humphreys hit his knees and never touch methadone ever again. He called the meth clinic and he said, hey, I, I, I'm done. I'm never coming back. They said, you understand you'll die. He's like, yeah, but I think I just found Jesus. He never had a withdrawal. He never had a moment of needing it again. And he carries his little bottle around as a reminder of the goodness of God. And Cody, Cody Knuckles, who spent 13 years in prison, drug addiction and addict and all this, now these two guys travel around. They go to school and they teach prevention and awareness and all this kind of stuff. I'm telling you, there are some guys like that coming in that when they walk in and girls that are coming in, that when they walk through the doors, you're going to have a little bit of a, oh my God, moment. But I'm telling you, God's going to begin to give some of you vision to see the gold that's on the inside of them. You're going to begin to see past the smell of pot. You're going to see past the smell of cigarettes. You're going to see past the body odor. You're going to see past the ripped up clothes. You're going to see past the cussing. I had a guy that sat in my group for years and dropped F-bombs. I mean, literally come out of a prayer meeting one time, and he was like, God's effing amazing. <laughs> like loud in church. And we were like, yeah, he is. <laughs> what do you do? What, what, what do you do? You're right. He is. We didn't repeat it, but yeah, he is, he is amazing. You're right. And finally, one day in men's group with tears rolling down his face, he's like, do I cuss at group? 
And we just start dying. Dude, you've been dropping bombs for years, bro. But it was never about the exterior. It was always about the interior world. And, and, and I'm telling you, there are going to be people that walk in here. I'm telling you, in the midst of this transition, I'm, I'm just, in the midst of this transition, you guys are going to see your greatest uh, period of growth, I believe. Wow. And whether it's in the small group setting or in the church setting, you guys are getting ready to see your greatest period of growth in this. And he's going to begin to send you broken and bruised and bleeding people that need to find Abba's love. And I'm telling you, this is why the officers have to grow. This is why the officers have to take their place. This is why you have to start seeing yourself as a leader, whether you think you are or not. But here's the thing. You can't call yourself a leader and not live like one. You can't call yourself a leader and not pray. You can't call yourself a leader and not spend time with Jesus. You can't call yourself a leader and not be faithful. You can't call yourself a leader and not tithe. You can't call yourself these things, and I'm not, uh, don't get into the performance, and don't get into the self-effort, and don't get into, but there are some things you just got to do, y'all. That's right. Put your big boy pants on, let's be, let's be, let's be Christians, let's, let's grow yes. up a little yes. bit. Yes. And so I believe, and I'm going to close with this, so if you want to put the pad on, you don't have to play. DJ Nimble Fingers. <laughs> I don't know your name, but that's my nickname for you. So if you just want to put pad and just let it go and then come back, that'd be awesome. I believe that I saw one other thing, and that is with, with David and his mighty men, we all know David failed, but he was a man after God's own heart. And this is what I, I want to pray over this church tonight because what I believe God's wanting to do, and I believe the assignment that I had here tonight wasn't necessarily to prophesy the transition that's coming, but it was to call the officers and the leaders up to a place of beginning to carry some weight. Begin to walk in a different place. I remember the first time I felt like God elevated me to a new, a new place in Him. Not in my but just in like my hearing and my discernment in my and I almost didn't know necessarily how to handle it that's why you need fathers that's why you need mentors because I'm hearing these things that's why you need I told Pastor Jimmy today is I've already lost two of my heroes and I got two I got two left and, and it's really important that you have brothers as well because when they're all dead and gone you're going to still need some people and, I, and I'm not a, I'm, I am a, you want me to preach on the rogue line, I'll preach on the rogue line. We got enough self-proclaimed prophets running around. I want men that are connected. I want men that have brothers. I want men that have linked arms. I want people that, that allow transparency and openness. I always say this, when Joshua had to circumcise all the men, who do you trust in your life with a knife in your most vulnerable parts? See, is this your family or is it, do you have to hide who you truly are? Can you, can you come up here and look each other in the eye and go, I struggle with this thought. I struggle with this and allow. And then as you, you as a family, because the Bible says the love covers a multitude, a multitude of sins. Do you sit in there? I can feel. Do you sit there with a haughty heart going, man, I can't believe they struggle with that. Or is your first reaction, who let me cover you until you're whole. Let me cover you till you got it right. 
I'll swing a sword for you and you can't. And I believe what God is raising right now is Eleazar's and Abishai's. The two names I got when I was laying in the bed today at the hotel. I was laying in bed and God said, I'm raising up Abishai's and Eleazar's. Eleazar stood back to back with David in a lentil field when the Philistines come to steal it. It wasn't even his field. And the Bible says that the, the whole group fled. And Eleazar started too, but he looked back and he saw his leader. He saw David standing there going, see, David knew. David knew it was his field. And I admire the courage of David to think that he could took out that army by himself. <laughs> I, I'm not going to say what I just thought, but yeah, he had some guts. <laughs> but here's the thing. What God's wanting to raise in this room, what he's wanting to do in this church, he's wanting to give people the heart of Eleazar. Let's say it doesn't matter how big the army is. It doesn't matter what the transition looks like. It doesn't matter any of this. I'm going to run and I'm going to stand back to back with the leaders that God gave me. I'm going to stand back to back with the apostle, the pastor that he gave me. I'm going to stand back to back and I'm going to fight for a city that I believe that God put me in. I'm going to fight for a city. I'm not going to expect him to stand in a city by himself and swing a sword. I'm not going to expect the leaders to stand in a city and swing a sword by themselves. But I, myself, am going to grow and mature and I'm going to pick up my sword and I'm going to go to the cave of Adullam and beat. This is the amazing thing. I'm going to learn there was left-handed, there were archers, there were, there were guys that were spear specialists, there were guys that were, and they begin to learn from one another. How do you shoot a bow left-handed? How do you do that? And they became these mighty warriors that killed hundreds and and this one dude killed like 300 men and chased a lion into a pit because he was bored one day. And I'm telling you, God's raising men and women with the heart of Eleazar that says it doesn't, I don't have to be known. I don't have to be one of the 30. I don't have to be one of the three. I don't have to be anybody, but I will stand back to back with my leaders and I will swing this sword to maintain and to win the city that God has put us in. And then the other one is Abishai. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. The thing about Abishai, if you'll read it, is it says that he was as famous as the three, but he wasn't one of the three. And he was the most famous in the 30, but he still wasn't the three. What does that tell me about Abishai? He didn't care. He didn't need recognition. He didn't need a pat on the back. He didn't need... And unfortunately, in the church of America, we've just become these soft little pansy Christians that need coddled and babied. And you'll suck your pastor dry of energy because you don't know how to, to get it from God yourself. And so he's got to constantly affirm you constantly tell you that you belong constantly tell you this that and the other why you know what if you got a word of God that you're supposed to be here you can't leave and in the world we live in right now oh God will bless me wherever I go show me that in the Bible yeah I'm a, I'm a preacher's kid I'll whoop your can and most of this stuff you want to do Bible trivia let's go 
So while my, my mom was super saved, y'all. I didn't, I didn't get to play normal games. We played Bible trivia. I'm true story. Ask my, we played Bible trivia. You can't leave. If you got a word from God, you can't leave. I've had people look at me with tears, say, I'll never leave you. And then less than a year later, they're cursing your name in the city. And guess what? They're back on alcohol and they're back on this, that, and the other. And their marriage is trash. Why? Because they thought they could do something without the blessing of God. And if God told you to be here, you can try to leave. You can go to the church down the street. You can go to the coffee shop church down the street. You can go to the one that ain't got a drip of oil on it. God bless them. But you'll be miserable. And I'm not saying that if you're, if you're in the room and you're thinking about leaving, try it. Have fun. It's cool. Is that mean? Sorry. But Abishai didn't carry, didn't need the recognition, didn't need the title. The Bible says that one day they were fighting and King David was fighting another giant, another relative of Goliath. I won't go into the stones and the brothers and all that, but he's fighting another relative of Goliath. And the Bible says that King David got backed into a corner. That he was exhausted. And he was tired. And this is, I believe, where I'm getting ready to go is what God's wanting to remove from his church. He's wanting to get rid of this in his church. When we see somebody backed in a corner and they're exhausted and they're tired. And the Bible says that David was exhausted and he was tired. And he was about to be overtaken by this giant that Abishai in the middle of his own battle. He was there fighting. In the middle of his own war, he looks over and he sees King David. He's about to be overtaken. And the Bible says that he himself runs over. And he stands in between David and that giant and he kills the giant. He kills him, slaughters him, kicks his butt. And he never turns around and looks at David and said, oh, I should have your position now. There was nothing in him that wanted David's spot. There was nothing in him that wanted David's position. There was not a drip of dishonor that rose up in his heart. There wasn't a drip of that. He was so connected and loyal to the family. He so honored the price that David paid. Listen, what David did in the cave of Adullam, he appreciated it so much that when David was too weak to fight, he said, I'll fight for you. I'll defeat the giant for you. Even though you're the king and I'm not the king, you're the famous one. I'm not the famous one. You're the anointed one. I'm not the anointed one. I will stand between this and you and I will protect you at all costs. My question is, do you, will you protect this at all costs? Will you stand in between them, the enemy, and the promise of God and say, I will fight to keep this alive. I will be faithful. I will give. I will swing a sword. I will worship. I will pray. Why? Because the promise was bigger than David. He saw past King David and he saw a kingdom. And he's wanting to create in this room men and women that have the heart of Eleazar and Abishai. I want you to close your eyes.
She babra sundo rebebe shubri shitibiki brabadande la babasu tabaye. She bru barambadande breshitibibi subrambadande brashataye. We're not very good at this in the church. But if you can be transparent enough and humble enough, if there's anxiety attached to you in this transition, I want you to stand. No shame. There's never any shame. The only time God ever exposes something is if he wants to free you from it. There's never shame attached to anything. But if you'll be humble enough to admit if there's a little bit of anxiety attached to you, I want you to stand of what the future looks like. Does it matter more what people think about you? If you're in the room and you say, I want, that's what we're going to ask God for. I want to have the heart of Eleazar and Abishai. I want to be the man that doesn't need the recognition and doesn't need the title. And it doesn't matter the method. I just want him to move. I want you to stand with me. If that's you. This is what we're going to do. Can you turn the pad up just a little bit? I believe Holy Spirit's getting ready to walk into this room. And he's getting ready to do some surgery on hearts. Yesterday in prayer, I saw people moving furniture. I saw a vision of people moving furniture all this place. And God said, I said, God, what are they doing? He said, they're moving things out so that I can move my stuff in. And we're asking God for glory. We're asking God for power. And he says, I can come in, but I can't come into a full house. You have to get rid of things if you want me. And what I believe is if you want the heart of, of Eleazar and you want the heart of Abishai, you have, to, you have to be willing to allow him to expose some things in your heart and say, God, if there's competition in me, I need to get it out. If there's selfish ambition in me, I need to get it out. 
If there's insecurity in me, I need to get it out. God, if there's an agenda in me, I need to get it out, God, because all I want is you. And it's not about who, it's not about what, it's not about how, it's just the fact that you move. God, I speak confidence to rise up on the inside of him. God, and where he has struggled to see who he truly is. God, he struggled. I don't know. I don't know your childhood. I don't know. But where you've struggled to see yourself the way that he sees you, I just remove those veil off of your eyes right now. I'll remove the veil off of your eyes right now to see yourself as the mighty man that God sees you as. I'll remove the veil off of your eyes to quit seeing your shortcomings and quit, quit seeing the things that you don't think quite measure up or that would disqualify you. And I say, and I call you forth, Abishai. I call you forth, Eleazar. And I say, rise up, almighty man. Rise up, O man of God. Rise up and take your place with a sword in your hand. Take your place back to back, God, and, and to protect what he wants to do in this city and in your family and in your home. Stop doubting yourself. Stop denying what he's put inside of you. I break every ounce of fear of what it looks like off of you. I break every ounce of fear of what total surrender looks like off of you. She there's more men coming with your story there's there's more men coming that live just like you did there's more men coming that search for love in all the wrong places. There's more men coming that gave themselves to so many other things other than God. But I, God, I hear the voice of the Lord saying that you will be, you will be like a lamppost or you will be like a statue that they can look at and say, He made it so I can make it. He did it so I can do it. And I say, God, that if you did it for Him and you set Him free, you'll set me free. And He says, I'm going to set you on a hill like a city and a light that cannot be hidden and they will see you. And they 
they will hear your story and they will hear what you've been through and they will hear that you shouldn't be on the earth and they will hear that and they will know that there is hope and there is life and there is trust in God and there's freedom. And God's going to begin to make you speak. Not preach, but speak of His goodness. Speak of His kindness. I see a megaphone coming to you. And I'm not saying be one of them weird street corner preacher guy. I'm saying I see a megaphone coming to you where you will announce that the goodness of God is here. You will announce that there is repentance. You will announce that freedom is present. And you will begin to invite people. You will begin to invite people that you see and that you meet. And I'm telling you, you're part, you're part of the invitation of these broken people. And every time, God, every time that you've canceled yourself out, every time you've, you've had seasons where you've reached places and then you shrunk back. And I say no more shrinking. I say God's calling you not out, but He's calling you up to your rightful place, son. Calling you to your rightful place, son. He's calling you to your rightful place, son. I release it over you. I release it over you. I release the Holy Spirit over you to be who you're called to be, to do what you're called to do. No more second guessing, no more questioning, no more doubting, no more anxiety, no more fear, no more perfectionism, no more self-effort. Where's the, is you the chick that was singing? God, I just, what's your name? Talani. God, I, Miriam, come here. God, I just release over you, Talani. I see you. You're getting ready to move into a season of encounter. I'm not talking like prayer meeting encounter. I'm talking like in your bedroom, all alone. You're getting ready to have some visitations. God says, I'm not interested in your voice. I'm interested in your heart. I'm not interested in your voice. I'm interested in your heart. And when you encounter me in these encounters, he's going to begin to remove some things in you that need to be removed. Not sin, not not disgusting things, but things that he has to get out of you so that he can put you where he wants to put you. Because you're coming out of these encounters, there's going to be a new anointing on your voice. There's going to be a freedom that's going to be unlocked. And when you sing, when you sing, I see keys and I see keys unlocking hearts and unlocking minds. And you're going to not sing words that were written from other people, but you're going to sing words that were written in an encounter on your bed in your room. And he's going to give you, he's going to give you new songs. He's going to give you new words that bring freedom and life to lifeless people.
And like Ezekiel, when he prophesied over dead bones, he says, as you sing, dead bones are going to begin to live again. As you sing, people without hope are going to have hope again. When you sing, people without, without faith are going to have faith again. As you sing. And I hear him say, some of these encounters will be scary. But it will not. It will not be fear as you know it, but it will be reverence of Abba. And you will literally sit in your room and you'll think, can I take anymore? Can I handle anymore? So God, I release this word over her right now. That these encounters are coming. God, these moments in her room where you sit on her bed. And she encounters you and she hears your voice, God, and she will write what she hears you say. And then she will sing what she hears you say. I just release that over her and I, God, I release that there will be no fear attached to these encounters, God. God, but she will feel peace, God, in the midst of your perfect love. She will understand that in you there is not even a trace of darkness. Release that, Jesus. If you are asking God for the heart, I know you all stood, but if you, I, I mean, I'll stay here till, I'll stay here till one in the morning. I don't, I, I got nothing to do. I'm not driving home tonight. But I do want to pray for as many people as I can. And I'm not special. Y'all know that. You heard me talk. But I believe that I've encountered some things that I can impart. And one of those is I've died to selfish ambition. I've died to title. I've died to the need to be needed. I I ran myself ragged trying to please people. And I've learned that I can't. I learned that I can't be enough for someone. I tried. I tried. And I watched people fail because I did it wrong as a leader. And I was insecure enough that I needed them, I needed them to be attached to me rather than, rather than creating men and women that were attached to him. It's called fear and control. It's based in a perverted sense of love. But I, I, I want to pray for you because our leadership structure at our church is very odd. And we, we know that and we've embraced it. Like we don't have a senior pastor. I'm not knocking people that do. God's just asked us to do something differently. We have an apostolic team. We have six men that sit around a round table. We actually took out the desk. We had a fire. We took that desk and we threw it on the fire and we said, Jesus, it's your church, not ours. And I want to say this before I pray because 
This is the heart I believe that God's giving this room because it's not going to be one man. It's going to be many. And he's going to, you guys are going to function as a team. You guys are going to function as a family. You're going to function as a unit. And where one of you has half the word, the other's going to have the other half. And where one of you has half the vision, the other's going to have the other half. And when one of you say, I feel this, the other one's going to be, I confirm what you're feeling. Because we have Mike Sr. and we have Mike Jr. and we have my dad and we have my brother and we have Lucas Binkert and we have myself. And in the natural Christian world, Mike Sr. and my dad were senior and associate, but they didn't call themselves senior and associate. What happened was the pastor before them screwed a bunch of stuff up, embezzled money. And in 1992, in 19... In 1992, they stood on the steps and they looked at each other and they said, what are we going to do? And my dad looked at Pastor Mike and Pastor Mike looked at my dad. He said, how about we just do this as a team? And God burst something that day on the steps of Bethel Worship Center that I'm now living because what happened was they saw a bunch of knucklehead kids that started to pray a little bit. And we got a little bit of a fire shut up in our bones. And they said, this is not competition. This is not something that's dangerous. But we want to bring them up to run with us. We want to bring them up. And so what we did was there was no squelching of the anointing. There was no squelching or, or intimidation. But they were like, I see apostolic anointing in you. I see prophetic in you. I see this in you. And, and so where, and here's the crazy thing. I, I honor Mike Jr. so much because in the natural American thing, guess what? He would have been in line. He, he was Jonathan. In the natural church sense, he was, dad would give it to him. You know what he did? He died to the normal way. He said, it's not my church, it's his church. And he was able to suppress, think about it. Think about it, because what church tells you is your whole life, you're the next guy in charge. This is all going to be yours. It's all, this is all going to be, you know what I mean? And you have to learn to die, die to all of that. And so we all, we all hit the ground. And people ask us all the time, how do you guys do everything in unity? Because there's one Holy Spirit. He's not the author of confusion. And if him and I are not hearing the same thing, guess what we do? We hit the floor. If I'm hearing something different than leadership, I need to hit the floor. I don't need to talk about it. I need to hit the floor. If I'm hearing something different, I need to hit the freaking floor. And I need to go, okay, remove it. Remove the selfish ambition. Remove the agenda. Remove the eyes. Remove all of that. And I'm telling you, he wants to do that in everybody's heart in this room. Because what I feel and what I feel like I see you guys going into, you can't have any of this residual crap in your life. And he wants to remove it. And he wants to give you the heart of Eleazar. And he wants to give you the heart of Abishai. So that you guys can do what you're called to do. So I'm going to invite you guys to come up. Miriam, I want you to come up. And if you want prayer. If you don't want prayer, look, I'm just a dude. You can get it from Jesus. I get it. I Actually, I don't like a lot of people to pray for. I'm very picky who prays for me. Truthfully, ask my wife. People come up to me all the time. Can I pray for you? No. <laughs> I don't want your devils. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But there are some people I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> I'll pray for you. <laughs> I don't sense any of you like that. But I do, I do feel like God's 
given me just a love for people. And it was because I hated people at one time. I was a pastor's kid. I looked my parents dead in the eye and I said, I will never, ever do what you do. I will never let people walk on me. I will never let people use me. I will never let people just blah, blah, blah. Here I is. I couldn't run. I believe God's given me the ability to see things in people that they don't see themselves. I just want to pray. If you want prayer, I want you to join me up here. And I'm just going to release the heart of Abishai and Eleazar in you. So if you want prayer, come on up real quick. It's casual. We ain't got to be super, super crazy about it. Because you don't need me. It's cool. If your spouse came up, I want you to make sure you're with your spouse. Because where we're going, you're going to have to be a team in this. You're going to have to be a team in this. the heart to say yes to what we're about to go through that's what this is about we say yes wherever Abba wants to take us yeah because I'm going to tell this to everybody in the room your, your dreams and desires and whispers we're all connected together every one of us in this room are connected together we're connected together I know that this man operates and this woman of God in the prophetic and I knew when he came in here tonight he was going to give us a word but I prayed this morning Justin I put a bullseye on you because you have to know who you are son please son just know who you are I walked through commercial property with your wife today know who you are in this family so I just as Holy Spirit led you to him Will you lay hands on him and his wife? Abba, give them the heart. Give this family the heart to go the whole journey, the whole long path. For the sake of your kids, kids, kids. Amaya, come on up here with your mom. Come up here with your dad. James, come up here, buddy. I want you to just grab onto daddy's leg. Come on, for the sake of your son. Because he already has what you didn't have. He already has what you didn't have. He already has what you didn't have. So you can't tell me you're not doing things right. He already has what you didn't have. You've already broke that curse. You've already canceled that assignment. 
Even when that assignment tried to take you out, even when that thing reared its head and tried to take you out, you defeated it. You and Abba already canceled the assignment on the enemy on your own son. He'll never be fatherless. So he's healing that wound right now. Come on, some of you just begin to lock in. When I met with the home leaders, I said the first key in turning the page in this transition is Abba's coming straight into the heart fractures. Where you're weak, Abba's going to show his strength. Whether that's in your health, whether that's in your money, whether that's in your walk with the Lord daily, wherever you're weak, you're going to stop staring at it because it's going to go away. It's going to be cast out in perfect love. So I just ask many of you in the room before they come lay hands on you, just begin to yield the weak areas of your heart and say, Abba, I give it to you. I open wide up, even watching on the live stream, anywhere that I'm weak in my heart, that I look in a mirror and say, I have no value, it goes today. That is not your identity. That is not your identity. Weakness is not your identity. So we're not going to stare at where we're weak because his love's going to come in and perfect. Thank you for listening to this message from the Northgate. If you would like to donate to this ministry, please go to www.thenorthgateoh.com and click on the link at the bottom of the homepage.